Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. The we don't have anything to talk about edition. We thank you for your patience. We delayed recording. Usually we record on a Tuesday night, and then we come into your podcast feed on Wednesday. We didn't do that this week because we literally had nothing to talk about. And so we skipped Tuesday. We went to Wednesday so that we could wait to analyze the SEC release in the 2024 schedule. So there you go. That's what we're going to talk about today and a little bit about money. But BK, how you doing, man? I am doing A-OK. Uh, the schedule has been released, and Nate, I got to be honest, I didn't expect to be able to say this. I think the team that got screwed the most is Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> didn't see that one coming. And okay, yeah, I I will say from the from the big picture stuff. Let's jump into that first because we got plenty of time to talk about Missouri. Yes, Alabama got screwed. I also think Kentucky got screwed. Um, now I only say that because Kentucky had the benefit of playing in the East and had the benefit of pretty easily getting to seven or eight wins if you're just competent, um, and which which Mark Stoops is. And now, now you take all that away. You take away Vanderbilt. You take away Missouri, your historical whipping boy. Uh, you take away South Carolina, which however you want to view South Carolina is fine. But you take that away, and you give them a West feast. <laughs> you get the heavy hitters of the East. Like, boy, Mark, I, uh, I'm i sorry. Uh, you are going to earn your automatic extension when you get to seven wins this, this in 2024 because, boy, that uh, that's a rude awakening for Wildcat fans. It is, and we'll get to this in a little bit more detail here in just a minute, but I'm sad that we won't be seeing them. For anybody that has not seen the Alabama schedule, I, I think the way that, for me, I, let's go big picture real, real quick, Nate. The way that I kind of evaluate these, I care less about the mid and lower tier. Like, if you got Vandy on your schedule, that's a win. Um, but really, it's about, were you able to avoid Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU? Yeah. If you can avoid those top-tier annual power programs in the SEC, you're doing pretty well. For Georgia, or excuse me, for Alabama, like, can't play yourself, so knock that one off. Yeah. They got Georgia. They got LSU on the road. They got Tennessee on the road, and they got Oklahoma on the road, man. Like, that is brutal. Absolutely brutal when it comes to your SEC scheduling. I, typically, when you see stuff like this, it feels like they kind of say, like, hey, you know, we, we know what we're building towards. We know that Georgia-Bama is probably going to be the crescendo at the end of the year. I love it as an SEC fan that they did it this way. I'm just shocked 
that it ended up rolling out this way where they've got Georgia Bama, they've got LSU Bama, they've got Oklahoma Bama, and they continued to have Tennessee Bama as well. That's rough, man. Yeah. And then look at Georgia, your other perennial powerhouse. They keep Florida at the neutral site, obviously. They get Alabama, which is great for you know for ratings, but oof, that's there's your SEC eliminator right there. They get Tennessee, which of course is Tennessee with that offense. However you want to view that offense, whether it's good or bad, it still puts up points. Well, yeah. So they so they strip out the rest of the East, though, right? You do get Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, but that's it. Then they sub in uh, Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, and then Texas, and then of course Mississippi State's in there too. So you know th- that's that's going to test your your kind of your Tiffany brands uh, of the SEC, which they if they're as good as they think they are, they should pass these tests anyway. But especially for you know a Georgia or a Tennessee that kind of got fat on some mediocre you know SEC teams. You don't have that anymore, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that how that works in 2024, and then what happens afterwards as they go on, because that's that's a lot tougher than what they're used to. It is all right. So let's get to let's get to Mizzou. All right. So there were a few. If you could have guaranteed anything coming into this, Nate, what would it have been? Because like we knew Arkansas was going to remain on the schedule. Yeah, I felt pretty confident they were going to get Texas A and M, and I felt pretty confident they were going to get Oklahoma. I felt like those were three things you could kind of write to the bank. Did you have anything else that you would have added to that list where you're like, okay, I know at least half of this schedule? Mm, with confidence, no. I, I could confidently tell you Arkansas and Oklahoma were going to be on the schedule. I felt like it made a lot of sense to put Texas A&M on there. I was not going to put money on it, but clearly they did. So we were right there. I'm I, Can I say I'm glad South Carolina is still on the schedule? Same. I feel like that's our rival. <laughs> uh, and And it's always good games. You know, you had a one or two blowouts here or there, but it's typically a really good game. It's a very similar program. They're both called Columbia. They get a rivalry trophy. Like, it makes a lot of sense. So I, that's my favorite, that South Carolina is still on the schedule. What is yours? Uh, my favorite is that South Carolina is on the schedule as well. Um, I, otherwise, like, I view it more from a competitive standpoint than a, like, this is going to be fun and exciting standpoint. Because, like, there's not a whole lot of great road trips on this schedule. Um, there's not a whole lot of like traditional, this is super fun every year outside of South Carolina. And some would argue Arkansas. I just haven't gotten into it the same way that many others have. Um, so it it's not like a super fun or glamorous schedule necessarily, but I think that's kind of what makes it, given what, you were, what your options were in the SEC, a win for Mizzou. You have to go to Alabama oh, that summer. That, that's brutal. But you are going to get one of those games, whether it was Bama, Georgia, Tennessee. Like, you're going to have to play one of the big boys, and you just got to live with that. For them to only get one of them, though, is a huge win for Mizzou. And then you look at, like, what the mid-tier programs are that they got, and it's basically everybody on, else on their schedule, man. I would rather play Oklahoma long-term than Texas, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to get Mississippi State or Ole Miss, I think I would rather see Mississippi State out of the Mississippi schools, it's the kind of six to one, half a dozen to the other, but I would rather face a team that's kind of in flux right now as opposed to facing Lane Kiffin and what would that be, year four or five of his program there. You're always going to get Arkansas. I think they're going to keep South Carolina as one of the traditional rivals. You get a win because you have Vanderbilt on this schedule. Like All things considered, man, I, I think this went, if a 10 is best case scenario, this is like an eight and a half or a nine, I think, for Mizzou in terms of a competitive standpoint. Dude, if I... If, you know, four hours ago, I told you Missouri's only going to play two teams from the East and everybody else is going to be from the West, you would think, oh, jeez, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. But you you nailed it. There, It's the mid-tier West teams, plus Bama, because you have to play one of those. But, I mean, Arkansas is always tough. We've seen that their number. Mississippi State, always tough. Auburn, always tough, especially with Hugh Freeze. Like, there's no escaping... Yeah, you're in the SEC. scheduling. You're in the SEC. That's why you're here. But if you had to pick teams from the West, whoo boy! Like other than Bama, you you are sitting pretty there. So I I am good with that. Um, I'll just I am so glad we don't have to play Kentucky next year. I I am so sick of losing to those guys. I don't know. You know, we have to play them this year. Obviously, that's that's going to happen. And who knows what the outcome is going to be? And who knows what's going to be happening in two years? But I, I, we need some space. <laughs> this is a relationship that's very one-sided. It's nice to get some space from Kentucky because I, I don't want that. 
I don't want that business anymore. So if you, if you missed the release, by the way, I'll go ahead and run down these real quick. The home games are Arkansas, Auburn, Oklahoma, Vanderbilt. The road games are Bama, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Texas A&M. Those are your eight 2024 conference opponents. I hate that Kentucky's not on there. I hate it. I love the Kentucky game, man. The two games that I look forward to most every season, South Carolina, Kentucky. Those are the two. Because you know, going into them, this is going to be exhausting. I'm going to have no energy by the end of this thing. It's going to suck. It's going to be exhausting. But man, are they always fun. They are always compelling. Every game that you play against South Carolina is compelling. Every game that you play against Kentucky, you leave with one team feeling devastated and the other team feeling elated that they came away with that thing with a win. That's what college football is supposed to be, man. It's supposed to bring out emotional investment from you as a fan. You think there's going to be a whole lot of emotional investment when they travel to Stark Vegas to take on Mississippi State? I, I really don't. Do you think there's going to be a whole lot of emotional investment? Let's be honest here for a second. When they go down to Kyle Field and play against Texas A&M, that ain't the same thing. Kentucky is one of those teams. It's Kentucky, it's South Carolina, and if you want to bring up Arkansas, go for it. But the two true rivals for Mizzou since joining the SEC are Kentucky and South Carolina. Tell me I'm wrong, Nate, because I don't believe it. You've got a weird relationship with sports, man. I like getting hurt. Well, buddy, you chose the high program. Good good Lord, you chose the absolute right college football program. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I can't agree. I can't agree. And if you if you if you are thinking that you're gonna lose, you know, an opportunity to lose to a mediocre program, buddy, Mississippi State's right there. Missouri's never beaten Mississippi. Yeah, but that's not fun. There's no there's no fun history. Oh, are you kidding me? You get you get run rough shot in a rainstorm or exactly. you know, get, get no. picked up picked apart because your defense isn't there. You lose. That's what you want, right? You want to feel exhausted. You want to feel terrible the entire time. Buddy, playing Mississippi State makes you feel terrible. Do you know how many times I forgot that they played that game? Which like one? The, the 2021 specifically. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I genuinely, like, if I go through that 2020 season, I, I just write off the fact that they played. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I genuinely forgot that that game happened. That's um, it, But you look through, like, the recent history. So since, since 2014, here are the scores of the Mizzou versus Kentucky game. I know them because I just went over them, but please, let, 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 me, let me hear it. 20 to 10, 21 to 13, 35 to 21, 40 to 34, 15 to 14, 29 to 7. That one was rough. Didn't like that one one bit. 20 to 10, 35, 28, 21, 17. Yeah. I love that. How do you not love that? Every game's decided by one. You like going play. one and seven over an eight game splitting? Well, you like that's that? Not ideal, of course. Um, but a lot of that is due to pad officiating. And we can go. The thing that I think is fun about it, Nate, you remember how every one of those games ended. I do. You do. Our listeners do right now. I do. You remember the push off in the back of the end zone. You remember the fact that they got like 17 different opportunities in that game to be able to go for it on fourth down. Like you, you remember that. And I that... remember Jamon Moore uh, having the ball kicked out of his hand and the referee taking 18 seconds to place it. I remember yep. that. Yeah. This is what makes college sports what it is, man. We should remember what these games are. I don't remember games against Mississippi State. Other than the game in 2013 against Texas A&M, I just kind of pretend that they're not a part of the SEC, honestly. Uh, God, dude. Texas A&M, though. You want to talk history about... History there. I get it, history? but it's like ancient history. Javorski Lane running through our big, beautiful defense? Or the following up year when he got stuffed by Sean Weatherspoon, of all people? I'm like, oh, we broke them. We broke Javorski Lane. Uh, the Johnny Manziel game in 2013 yeah, that's when he sealed the East? Like... I know the the last one was 21, and that was not a good game. That was like 28 to 7. But, like, there is history with A&M. I know it's not long, but if you want refs screwing you out of out of a win or memorable moments, that's just college football in general. Kentucky and Missouri does not have a monopoly on that, although they seem to have <laughs> a lot of those finishes. We can do that with anybody. We've only been in the SEC for 10 years. We can yeah. find someone else to play, oh, this sucks with. Like, that's possible. No, but it's not going to be the same because you're not going to say the play, play the same teams as often anymore now. And this is one of the downsides of the current scheduling is like 
it, it, it's it's not going to be an annual basis. I thought that I thought Kentucky should have been one of their three. And listen, this is not technically the potting. Like maybe they will be. Um, but I think moving forward, I, I hate that they're not playing. It it breaks my heart a little bit. It would break my heart when they play because I know how it ends. <laughs> it ends with devastation for me. Um, but again, I I want Mizzou to play Kansas in basketball, even though I know how that's going to end. I want Mizzou to play teams like Nebraska or Kansas State or Oklahoma, for example. I like that they're going to be on the schedule again. Like I, I like those games because of what they mean as a Mizzou fan. And one of those games for me has become the annual tradition of me wanting to do physical harm to my television as I am watching a rock fight between the University of Missouri and the University of Kentucky. It does something to me, man. It takes me to a specific type of place. Sounds like a bad one. If you if you need help, please reach out. Okay, let us help for you. Yeah, there's got to be at least one other person in the world that thinks like me, right? Uh, I can't tell you the number of people who've reached out and, and agreed with me because they do what you do and scream and yell and throw things and and have the most miserable time. Oh, watching so Kentucky. same experience, but a very different takeaway. Different outcome, <laughs> right? Different mental space. You're like, oh yeah, hurt me, daddy, and everyone else is like, get this guy out of here. Like, what are we doing? I I just I don't know, man. Like. And that's the thing. There is a very realistic possibility we get potted up with Kentucky and we're right back in the rock fight every single year. So, like, wait. that's great. But here's the thing you get some flavor, right? Because you can have rock fights with other teams that you haven't played, you know, in the past 10 years. It's not I mean, the God. same, man. It doesn't make me feel safe. I want to play everybody in the SEC. You like, you like this for the SEC. You want to see diversity. And I know as a Missouri fan, you want to get hurt constantly. Yeah. Uh, we need to talk about that later, but. It's okay. We can we can have other teams break our hearts in miserable ways. It's totally possible. Like South Carolina, they've done that a couple times too. So I'm glad they kept that. That that is like if there is one thing that I'm really thrilled about from the schedule, it is the fact that they continue to have that on the schedule. And I I figured that would be the case. I mean, you've got a anytime that you've got a trophy, however contrived, it, it is something that the SEC tends to try to keep available to them especially in a one-off type of a schedule like this where i i do think by 2025 they're going to be going to the pod system and they'll have a nine games sec slate but in a one-off opportunity like this i think it's really smart for them to keep mizzou and, and south carolina paired um if i told you right now though nate you could trade kentucky for mississippi state you wouldn't do it no okay so who's the team now that takes the mirror to mizzou and shows them who they are well next year in 2024. In 2024. Because that's Kentucky's job. They they take a mirror to you and they, sh- they show you, this is who you are. This is how good you actually are. I mean, we might not have that. Uh, the closest you could get is South Carolina, even though Missouri has strangely had their number the past couple of years. Um, but I don't, I don't think that team is on the schedule next year. Maybe Mississippi State, but we don't know what Zach Garnett's going to be. He's transitioning the offense from a leech thing to something different or something similar but different like – I don't know. They're certainly not going to get a mirror from Alabama. They're just going to take the mirror and throw it on your head. Like, that's not going to give you anything. Arkansas, you know, we're peer programs, but what do you learn from the team that you've beaten five times in a row? We'll see if they continue to play it then, but I yeah. the last game of the season typically. So, mm-hmm. so I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think we have that. And you know what? I think this goes back to our philosophy of scheduling too. If I don't know what my team is until halfway through the year, I'm fine. If you don't know what, who your team is, halfway, you're, you're pulling out your hair and going, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like, so I I think we are, that's just, philosophically, we're different and that's okay. Yeah. On the plus side, they've got UMass, Murray State, and Buffalo on the schedule in 2024 to teach them exactly who they are. I will, I will make a quick bet, though, that UMass game ain't happening. At least not as currently scheduled. They are not traveling to Amherst, Massachusetts to play against the University of Massachusetts. No in Boston, but that was Boston. Yeah, but that's BC. Yeah. It's very different than going to UMass. They're not going to UMass. That game will not happen. When does BC come back, by the way? That's 24. Be... That's the same year. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a that's, flex. That's probably the game, by the way, that teaches you who you are. Put a, put a mirror. BC stinks. They they were good for Uno year, and it was the single year that we played them. So, go figure how that always seems to happen. And Mizzou um, threw like three horrendous interceptions to. That's when we realized Connor Bay's like might not be the guy. 
Uh, Connor Basic, who's currently uh, struggling to win the Bowling Green starting quarterback job. My God, man. My God. At least Mizzou has fixed those issues two Whoa, years later. Hold on. <laughs> on a brighter note, since we are on YouTube now, um, sorry, listeners, but uh, viewers, I don't know if you're going to be able to see this. My mug has got the old school tiger paw on it. And I don't know if you can read, but it says Mizzou basketball 1983-1984. The tradition continues. I um, Sorry, we are just going to go into this because we have literally nothing else to talk about. Um, I moved my mom out of her house this weekend, and we were packing things up, and I saw this baby, which, yes, is older than me. Uh, so it tastes like Reaganomics and 7 and 5 Warren Powers, but it is It's a treasure, and I am going to drink out of it every podcast. And on the back, what do we got? Bush beer. Look at that. that that's what I respect. That's, that's that. really the that's move right there. Uh, by the way, that season did not go well. It did not, did not go well. Really? No. Wasn't a good year? Yeah. No. That was a 16 and 14 season. Finished 5 Lord. and 9 in conference play. Lord. It's not what you want. Um, oh, that's well. really not what you were looking for there. I wasn't alive to see it, but my parents were. So there you go. Um, Well, I, it's it tastes like nostalgia, so we're good to go. Uh, what else is there to talk about? Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Before we get to that. Yes. Can I? Can we do a quick recruiting aside real quick? I forgot to mention this to you. Sure. Yeah, let's go. Hey, Nate, have you have you seen how many commits Mizzou has currently? Uh, I, I understand why we would forget to talk about it because it's not a thing that Missouri does. Uh, rumor has it we have two tight ends. And one's a tackle. Yeah. Compared to tight end. 6'6", yeah. yeah. 285 pounds, and he's listed now as an offensive lineman on rivals, by the way. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Okay. Um, they're 81st in team recruiting rankings right now. Mm-hmm. They just had a big official visit weekend. Yeah. And as far as we know, nobody committed. Yeah. How do you feel about that? <laughs> the team's currently ranked ahead of Missouri in recruiting. Include Army, Florida Atlantic, Rice, Coastal Carolina, in Hawaii. Are you done saying the bad things? Okay. Good. Missouri is just slightly ahead of Tulane, Southern Miss, and Western Michigan. Take that. App State is currently out recruiting Missouri. Neil, what the hell, dude? <laughs> what is going on? It's mid-June, man. It's starting to get concerned. Like I am now concerned. If, if it's two weeks from now, I, that is when I will join you on the panic meter. Um, today, not panicked. I'm still calm, cool, and collected. So if you're curious at home, this is what calm, cool, and collected BK sounds like. Um, but if there's a button to hit for the panic, the panic button, I'm reaching. I'm not hitting it yet, but I'm reaching. Well, it seemed like James Madison had a great time. Yeah, he, he seems to really love recruiting. I think he really loves social media, frankly. I think that's more his thing. But uh, yeah, there was another kid that was like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking every visit that I can. I'm like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my recruiting visit. I will be taking my other four now. Thank <laughs> you. So glad. Man. Can, uh, I want to ask a question, but I don't want to bum you out. Um, let me ask it this way. I mean, I just told you that I enjoy playing Kentucky. So, do you think it's going to bum me out or make me happy? It could go either. Well, yeah, I guess I got to think the inverse, the BK scale. Um, I don't know. Let me ask you this: Do you think the staff still cares about recruiting high school kids? Well, they've got roughly thirty-seven kids coming in for an official on June twenty-third. Yeah. So, I, I think they kind of care. Um. What is the level of care that is put into it? I, I genuinely don't know. I don't know. I, I think that they've shown to be not very good at it. Like, the, yeah. the rankings are pretty good. I think they've shown that their ability to identify talent the way that, for example, like Gary Pinkle did and outproduce recruiting rankings, that has been one of the single biggest issues for this staff so far. So mm-hmm. maybe it is smart for them to not care about it as much as they did early on, but... 
I don't know, dude. I, I genuinely don't know. I think if you are... I a... think they're trying, though. to like, and, and this is maybe the concerning part. I think they are trying to care about it. I think the kids are not as receptive to their message as they were when they first arrived. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, I think high school recruiting is more important for blue blood programs like Ohio State, like Alabama, like Georgia who have a track record of getting the best guys, developing them, playing for national championships. Like, I think that's the most important. I think those programs view the portal as we need one guy. We'll, we'll find one guy there, two guys there. I think middle-of-the-pack programs need to be more portal-heavy. I think they need to lean more into kind of that free agency to fill in depth pieces to look at their roster and go, well, our high school guy isn't ready yet, but we can get this guy out of the portal to add some immediate depth, right? I, th I think that's more of what a middling, kind of middle-of-the-pack program is looking to do. My concern is that they've realized that they're a lot better at portal shopping than they are at recruiting and, and like, analyzing kids off high school tape. And my concern is that they're not trying as hard. That is my personal concern. I have no proof. That's just my... I don't want that to be the case, and I'm worried that it is. So, I mean, again, the big recruiting weekend is the is the big recruiting weekend. We got to make sure that's the one where things start happening. And, you know, maybe some kids commit tomorrow. I don't know. But, like, it is concerning that we are in June with only two recruits. And given the successful acquisition of players being, being via the portal, yeah, it makes me concerned about high school recruiting overall, even though I don't think you need to be as good at it if you are a team like Missouri. And one of the reasons why it's not yet time to freak out, in part at least, is because, and I don't know what their chances are with these kids, it seems like not not great, but they're going to be on campus nonetheless. Williams Nowerny, Nowaneri, I, I apologize for butchering his last name, the defensive end out of Lee Summit North. He is now rated as the uh, top five prospects in the country. Mm -hmm. He's going to be on campus in two weeks. Sweet. Or at least he's scheduled to be. Ryan Wingo, wide receiver out of St. Louis. He's the number 18 prospect in the country. He's a five-star as well. He's going to be on campus, or is at least scheduled to do so in two weeks as well. So if you get one of those guys, it completely alters the direction of what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. Everything that I have read seems to indicate that's unlikely, but if they were to change their minds, maybe they have like the greatest visit ever. They're just super big Shiloh fans. They just really are into Shiloh's. Um, then cool. Like, great. Maybe they end up at Mizzou. Maybe they're Booch's guys, or they, they really loved their opportunity to go to Harpo's at 12 in the afternoon with zero co-eds there whatsoever. I'm sure. Um, like may, maybe that's it. But in the meantime, man, they have got to get this going sooner rather than later because the problem is as we know nate with the scheduling of this stuff kids are typically deciding by like early july and the ones that don't typically try to have their decisions done by the start of their high school season or at least the the top level kids for for the most part and then the next date after that is like the end of their season and when you're missing out on each of these deadlines and you continue to push yourself back, now you're going lower and lower on your list of guys that you were hoping for. So your big board goes from like, all right, our top five options at tackle are gone. Let's look at number seven on our board. Oh, shoot. He just committed to Kansas State. Now we've got to go down to number 12 on our board. And the pickings become slim. And this is where it gets to what you were just talking about, which is, hey, what's a better option for us now? Do we go with the number 17 tackle on our board? Or do we just go ahead and skip that this season and wait until the offseason and then try to go get somebody from the portal? And that's where it becomes a decision of the high school guys versus the portal guys. Yeah. I mean, last year's class, there were 20 high school kids who committed. Eight of them were in October or later. So 12 of them were September or earlier. I'm not, I'm not happy about it. I, I'm not gonna say that everything's okay, but when did Luther Burden commit? October nineteenth. He was late. Yeah. That twenty-two class. One, two, three. This four, five, six, seven. Seven people committed after October and twenty-two out of their 
21 commits. So it's it's pretty heavy summer. Like more than half are going to commit in the summer, kind of early fall period. By by July, by the fourth of July, in that twenty-two class that you're talking about, where they finished ranked twelfth in the country, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys already committed. Yeah, and that included Taboris Jones, Marcus Scott, Marquise Gracial, Sam Horn, and Isaac Thompson, all of whom were four stars. At this point, the only guy that 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 class had not had committed was to Boris Jones that I just read off. Every other player that I had mentioned was uh, committed before mid-June. So they they are behind. Like right now, they are officially behind on what their typical timeline would look like mm-hmm. in, a, in a pretty significant way. One commit changes a lot. If they get one, a significant one in the next couple of weeks, they could... Oh, he's right back. He's right back at it, but we're not there yet. So we'll just wait and see. Uh, And then let's talk about money. Money. USA Today released its numbers for spending fiscal year 2022. And BK, it's kind of exactly what you think it is. I got notes, so I don't want to screw this up. Um, So revenue, fiscal year 2022 revenue for Missouri was 100 a 141,000 yeah 104 141 million there we go $157,028 that is 28th in D1 but what is it in the SEC it's 11th because Vanderbilt doesn't release those numbers right what were the expenses Malazoo had $125,621,128 in expenses which was 32nd in D1 but again, 12th in the SEC. So, yeah, again, we talked about this before. I know we have because it's the offseason. There's nothing to talk about. Mizzou is in a way nicer neighborhood than it was 11 years ago. Flat out. They're also the poorhouse in the nicest neighborhood in the country. Like, a lot of what Mizzou is spending right now is on facilities, whereas what most of the SEC is spending it on is salaries for their coaches and their coaching staffs. So, I mean, you you know, BK, you and I were talking about this. You have to get to that point, first and foremost. And it's been kind of an 11-year investment in getting facilities up to snuff to to what we can be in the SEC. But, man, it's just spending and revenues are just not the same. Missouri's one of the worst in the SEC in ticket revenue, of all things. Um, it's There's just there's gaps. And when there's gaps and you can't spend like your peers do, you got to make more uh, out of nothing. And you don't always have a coach who can do that. So, I don't know. How do you feel about this report? The big thing, you mentioned the ticket revenue. It's not just a small divide. Like, it's it's three times the amount that Mizzou is getting for these other teams that are at the top of the SEC. So, this is from Dave Matter. The ticket revenue leaders are Texas A&M, Arkansas, and LSU. They receive basically somewhere between 47 and $50 million for those three schools. Meanwhile, Missouri is at a little less than $14 million. That is a, I mean, it's it's a gulf. It is it is a gap like the Grand Canyon. Like, that is not a insignificant gap between those teams. And that basically represents a, a, a pretty sizable portion of what Mizzou needs to make up. Missouri right now had $125 million in expenses to get, or ex, um, expenses and then in revenue, they were at 141. If you added in, let's say they don't make up the full thing, but $25 million in ticket revenue. You're looking at 165, which is slightly above where Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, South Carolina are. Now you're like in the middle of the pack. The problem is you can't do that. Like there's, there is no way to do that at the university of Missouri. It's just not happening. And so this is their lot in life. And this is what they chose to be a part of. And so when you look at what you're getting, like you're, you're bringing in, you know, a ton of money from the media rights deal, right? You're getting $60 million. That's great. But what is it getting you? It's getting you, as you mentioned, the smallest house in a beautiful neighborhood, but you're the one that everybody looks to and says, uh, why are they not taking care of their yard the way that the rest of us do? Like they look down on you and stick their nose up at you and like, nobody cares. It's fine. I, I enjoy it. But, 
you do kind of look at it at the end of the day and you look at what those revenue splits are and it's sizable. It's sizable in a way that is nearly impossible to make up unless you just have tremendous coaching staffs in every single sport, especially football and basketball. You have to be able to make up for that income gap by out coaching and out recruiting people in ways that money can't buy. Right. And that's really, really hard to do. Gary Pinkle did it, and basically no other coach has done it. Yeah. I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Missouri is a MacGyver program. You have a you have a limited amount of resources. You have a limited amount of time. And there will be things that you just can't fix or you just can't change as a, as a coach uh, that you would like to. You know, like admission standards, budget allocation, support from the alumni, support from the faculty. You know, you need a MacGyver coach. There are those that exist out there. They are not sexy hires, you know, but they exist. Now, I, I would say, you know, Dennis Cates has shown he's got a track record of doing more with less, both at Cleveland State and with his run last year. I don't know if Eli Drinkwitz is a guy who can do more with less. He's really, I can get more out of the less, right? Like, I can squeeze more money out of something that doesn't want to spend. He's pretty good at that. And, and, and Desiree Reed-Francois, to her credit, is also very good at getting revenues to come in. I, I think uh, donations, donor uh, activity has rocketed off since she has shown up. So, like, she's a good hire for that. She is good at bringing more out, much like Eli Drinkwitz is. But with everything else, you know, with baseball, with uh, with gymnastics, you just, you're just going to have to do more with less, just flat out. And when SEC teams are trotting out Olympians that you watched on TV on NBC and you're like, well, here's our team. Like they can be good. You can you can do well in Missouri showed, especially in gymnastics and even in wrestling, they can do well. Uh, but like you said, it's gotta be across the board and that's that's not always the hire that they make. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, for the vast majority of our audience, the sports that they're watching are are football and basketball, right? Sure. Yeah. And the problem with being this low in the revenues for those specific sports is that that's where these other teams are spending their money. So even if, I mean, the gap in baseball, that's that's the biggest one. Mizzou just cannot compete at the current standards by what they're investing in their baseball program. And you can make a strong case that they shouldn't invest in their baseball program because of how much they would have to up their game in that regard and what that would mean for their other revenue sports. So it just, it's, it's going to be really hard for them to ever be able to close that gap in a meaningful way. But when you look at what it means for like football and basketball, that's a lot of recruiting stuff, man. Like a lot of what we're talking about previously with what they're doing on the high school recruiting side of things, I do wonder if they look at it and they say, you know what, like the money that we're spending to high school to recruit high school kids, it has a better impact if we focus those efforts elsewhere. Like if it, the the kids that we're recruiting through through the transfer portal, they're they're not requiring the same glitz and glamour. They want to know how they fit into the program. They want to know what my position is going to be and how am I going to be utilized in your offense. And let's sell them on the football side of things, right? Meanwhile, the kids that are coming from high school, like think about what they're going through in the recruiting process. They're going to Bama. They're going to South Carolina. They're going to uh, Clemson. They're going to Arkansas. They're seeing all these unbelievable facilities. And think about when you were in high school, Nate. What appealed to you then versus now? If you knew then what you know now, what would appeal to you when choosing your college, right? It's different things. When I was going to Mizzou, like I I didn't want to go to Mizzou. My first thought was, I want to get as far away from this stupid state as I possibly can. So I visited Florida. I visited Syracuse. I went down to TCU. Like, I was traveling the country trying to find my school. And then I looked at it, and I was like, hold on. I'm going to pay twice as much to go out of state as I am going in-state. And then I went to Mizzou, and I visited, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Look at this. Look at this TV studio that they've got. Nate, I wasn't even interested in TV. I never <laughs> wanted to do TV for a day in my life. Yeah. But KOMU was their selling point, right? Mm-hmm. That and the student center and the uh, rec center. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how much time I spent in the, the student center, like the stuff that appealed to me when I was on a visit. Basically none. I almost never went to KOMU. I went there briefly for a semester. And it's so far out of the way that like you might as well oh, not dude. go there if you're not a, a yeah. TV guy. Yeah. So like the stuff that appealed to me as a stupid high school kid had nothing to do with what actually mattered once he gets to college. And so I'd say all of that to say this. The money part of things, it might matter a little less now in the era of transfers than it did previously. 
if you've got a good coaching staff in place, and we're seeing this on the basketball side of things, they can convince really good players that it's in their best interest to come play for you, despite some of the limitations that they may have from a budget standpoint or from a facility standpoint, because they can convince you, hey, I can help you get to the pros. I can help you put up stats. I can help you do what you want to do in college in X, Y, and Z. It's harder to do that with high school kids. So that's where the money part of things comes in. And that's that's where I do wonder, like, do they see that and are they acting upon it? I'm not sure they are actually right now, but maybe after this offseason they will. Could be. It is, it is cheaper to get a guy who just wants to play than someone who's looking to be wooed. And it really, I mean, on the basketball side, it's just it's support staff. You know, I talked about how the SEC spends most of their stuff on salaries and Missouri's is way low. The change they made from Conzo Martin to, to Dennis Gates was to expand his staff, to pay his assistants better, and then bring on former coaches as analysts. Dudes that just sit and churn film and prepare you for the next day. Like, that was the difference, and it made a huge one. And I know Missouri had to replace theirs uh, from uh, last year's to this year, but they still have the money to do that. That's a little investment that makes a huge difference. If you look at Tennessee's basketball coaching staff, it's like a mile long of dudes sitting in chairs. And you used to look at Missouri's, and it was like three dudes, right? That is the difference in basketball. With Missouri, it is in football, it's, it's recruiting. It absolutely is. And, you know, obviously an army of analysts uh, too, but Missouri has that. Um, there's just, you have to figure out where you want to spend. And I know Sam and Matt have talked about how, you know, from a you know an ROI standpoint, basketball is going to be the best bet as far as spending uh, with Missouri's budget yep. to get the most uh, bang for your buck. I'm not saying they're wrong, but you are in the SEC. Uh, doesn't seem like Missouri cares about investing in baseball or anything like that. So if you're going to invest heavily in football, you just got to understand you're going to be outgunned. And if Eli Drinkwitz has figured out the, that the market inefficiency in recruiting is going through the portal, cool, let's do it. And if that means that, you know, I told a couple shows ago, I said, don't bash high schoolers when they pick at the other school. I've told you that because you can get them on the way back when they didn't see the field at Alabama or Ohio State or Florida or wherever, and they are looking for a spot, and we have a spot. I say, like, hey, come on back home. You didn't get us the first time. You had your adventure. Come on back to mama. Let's do this. And that's that's okay. That's okay. If that's, the, if that's how you construct your, you know, 75% blue chip roster, just freshmen, sophomores who can't see the field, but they still have the talent. I'm good with that, but it does make you itchy on the recruiting side. One last thing on this. If the Big 12 called you, Nate, and you're the Mizzou athletic czar, not just the AD, because this goes above them, and they said, hey, we're offering a spot to Colorado. We'd like you to be the second team that comes back with them. You doing it or no? Knowing everything that we know, TCU's there, K-State's there, Texas Tech's there. It's a conference that is, for all intents and purposes, stable. More stable than the Pac-12. Above all else, what do I want my team to do? Win. <laughs> you always want them to win. I want them to win. Even at the expense of fun. Even at the expense of fun. Because the fun is in the wedding for Nate Edwards. I'm telling you, you would win games in the Big 12. I am going to get pilloried. I would I would take it. I would take it. I wouldn't like it. Basketball would be a hell of a lot more fun. Basketball would be a lot more fun. Baseball, wrestling would be a lot more fun. You get back in the Big 8 wrestling. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, that's not I, driving my decision. Every, <laughs> ev- well, every sport would be more competitive. Yeah. Just flat out. Every single one. And you're not... You're missing out on a $60 million paycheck every year from the SEC network. You're not, you know, if you win the conference, you're not a shoe-in for the playoff. Well, at playoff as it's currently constructed, but who knows what it's going to look like going forward. You would, you, flat out, you would win more games in the Big 12, and you play Kansas again, and you play Kansas State again, and you'd see Colorado, and who knows, maybe Nebraska will want to come back because they hate it in the Big 10 too. Like, I would take it. I'm sorry, guys, I would take it. BK, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've told you before, like, I just think it makes more sense. It does. Yeah. It's just the truth. I w- Here's a second question for you, a follow-up on that. Would you take it if the Big Ten offered you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would, ranking, <laughs> I would do Big Ten, 
Big 12, stay in the SEC. Am I crazy if I would go Big 12, Big 10? No. Because I, I think you deal with some of the same issues in the Big 10, not to the same degree, but some of the same issues in the Big 10 that you currently deal with in the Big or in the SEC. This, with Ohio like, State, Michigan. And, yeah. and Penn State. Penn, okay. Penn State is a legit power program at this point. And Wisconsin should be. Like, they weren't, but they should be a, a pretty Minnesota's good too, but yeah, not to that level. Yeah. So I, I do wonder about that a little bit because I, I think sometimes we overstate a little bit what the SEC is. Maybe not us, but like in general, people overestimate it a little bit. They spend a, bu a bunch of money, but like the programs that we're really talking about when we say the SEC is awesome is Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and then depending on the year, LSU or Auburn, whoever is good that year. That's that's really it. And the Big Ten kind of has that with their top of the conference as well. The middle's a lot softer, though, I think. The bottom is also further bottom. Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska. Northwestern. No. Northwestern. Yeah. Like, Indiana lately. Like there there is have a transcendent quarterback. It's like, oh, that that's not a good program. There's a soft, chewy bottom to that that you could feast as a as a program like Missouri. You really could. I the, the big thing for me is like going back to the Big Twelve, there's just so much tradition there. Like especially mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing, and maybe this changes now that Mizzou's playing Kansas again, but like you just get the KU game every year, man. And that's that to me, that that in and of itself holds a ton of value. As somebody, that, especially as somebody that grew up in Kansas City, like that was, that that was like a holiday. You know, it, you every time that those two teams met, your neighbors would be like at war with you. You plant the flag on your front yard. You start talking crap all week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was that was it. So mm -hmm. the the ability to play them during the regular season multiple times, and then potentially in the Big Twelve tournament, like it's just. The basketball side of things completely changes this discussion for me. But yes, I, I would accept either, honestly. Yeah. I think they're both better landing spots for Mizzou, given where Missouri is at as a program right now. Also better cultural fit yeah, in every way you can describe that term. So, That being said, they made the right move when they made it. You had to make the move when you made it because you didn't know what the future was going to hold for the Big 12. I would have bet five years ago that the Big 12 would be today where the Pac-12 is. I would have made yeah. that bet. Absolutely. We just made the wrong one. It, mm -hmm. it ended up that the Pac-12 was the one that didn't have the correct leadership in place. Which, man, at the time, it felt like they had a rock star. Yeah. And he just made every stupid decision you could possibly make. Just flat out. So, yeah. Well, hey, I'm glad I'm not uh, responsible for that decision. Boy. Ooh. They made the right move when they did. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'll tell you, I mean, when I read these money numbers, it certainly feels like if there's another culling and there's a there's a second, like, you know, conglomeration of elite teams, I don't know if Missouri makes the cut. You know, I think if Ohio State, USC, and Alabama and LSU and all those folks want to get together and make a different league, I mean, you need you still need teams to lose those games. I just don't know. That, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. I don't think that will ever happen because you need blood donors. You do at some point. No, honest, like, I, I, I don't think that. I don't think that is something that will appeal to those programs because of the way that these games already rate so incredibly well and they make so much money. And then you get the the national highlight games at the end of the year with this expanded postseason. I just don't think it's necessary anymore. I mean, we also live in a world where the Saudis just bought out the L <laughs> the PGA. I don't know if there's any <laughs> prince out there who gives a crap about college football. But I can tell you there's a lot of oil barons out there who give a crap about college football in Texas A&M specifically. So don't rule it out. Are you, are you, a, uh, are you a Ted Lasso fan? Man, I, I, I've never watched the show. I've always wanted to watch it. I never did, but I like the concept of it. I will. This is not any. Uh, I, I don't think this is a spoiler. Okay. But if it is for the next 10 seconds, if you're watching Ted Lasso, just like do the thing where you skip 15 seconds from now. Yeah, just, um, yeah. College football needs a Rebecca. That, that's what they need. They need a Rebecca. And for all my t uh, Ted Lasso fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That is cryptic, and I love it. And I'll tell you I'll tell you if you're right or wrong whenever I get around to watch. Season, the, the final season, you'll know what I'm talking about. All right, very good. Well. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. 
You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's going to be our show for today. I cannot believe we got 47 minutes out of literally nothing happening. We are geniuses. Well done, BK. That's all you. Uh, but that, that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment. Rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt and H.E. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation and podcasting outlet at Rockin' Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. B-O-U.